you're and Jake tells these guys all the time, you're supposed to suck at this. I mean, honestly, if you if anybody says they started lifting weights for any other reason, they'll look good naked, they're lying. The good thing is to kind of expose you expose you to things that you know most people do not get exposure to unless you're in a military law enforcement community. The reality <laughs> is you're not going to be able to do that until you develop those experiences, until you get that exposure. I think the, uh, one of the best things you can do is um, is if you're the, the, the best guy at what you do in your group, then you need to find a new group. You are listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks, makers of 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more information on how to build optimal mental and physical performance into your life, keep it right here, listening to the OPP, or go visit naturalstacks.com. Brian Muncy is probably the smartest guy I know. Trust me. Muncie is the nutrition guy. Ryan Muncie's out there trying to make the world better for all of us. The Optimal Performance Podcast is bold, edgy, creative, entertaining, and epic. Ryan Muncie is my go-to guy. Ryan Muncie is he's the first guy I call. He's making people's lives better. Ryan Muncie's an innovator. All right, happy Thursday, all you Optimal Performers. Welcome to another episode of the OPP. Thank you guys for spending a little bit of time with us today. Got a really cool episode for you. A little bit of background on this. So uh, next week, co-founder of Natural Stacks, Ben and I will be going to Texas to participate in an event called the Vanguard. And that event is hosted by some really cool guys uh, that you're about to meet, Jake Sines and Todd Moore from Atomic Athlete in Austin, Texas. Guys, thanks for hanging out with us today. And appreciate you having us, man. Definitely. So... Before we get into what the Vanguard is, why we're doing this, um, a couple of housekeeping notes for our listeners. Um, as always, guys, go to, uh, go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. Let us know how much you like the show. If we read your review on the air, we will hook you up with some free Natural Stacks uh, products. And I'm going to read this one from Vicky M. Vicky says, hooked on your podcast, doing what I can to spread the word, keep up your awesome work. So Vicky, thanks for supporting us. And thank you for going to iTunes and leaving us that review. Uh, shoot us an email. We'll hook you up with some goodies. Um, always, guys, uh, if the OPP is helping you, if it's a message that you want to share with your friends and family or, or anybody that you know who will benefit from what we're doing, please share it with them. And let's help grow this thing and, and help make the world a smarter, uh, better prepared, more physically, uh, as you'll hear today, more prepared place. Um and of course, go to naturalstacks.com. You'll be able to see the video version of this on the blog post, along with links to any of the resources that our guests, Jake and Todd, mentioned today. I have a feeling that we're going to have some really cool rabbit holes for you guys to go down after listening to this one. So I'm going to stop talking. We're going to give these guys the spotlight. Jake, Todd, the event is Vanguard. On the surface, it may seem like the ultimate guys weekend, um, but I think it's more than that isn't it? I think to me, it's, it's more about kind of becoming a, a civilized beast, uh, being able to protect not only your family, but also maybe that lost art of manhood. Yeah. I think, uh, when it kind of came down to, to us was, you know, we had this community of, of athletes from the gym and, um, and so over time, the longer they trained with us, they kind of became part of our, I guess, tribe for lack of a better word, kind of part of our family. 
and uh, myself and Todd and a, I guess a, a more inner circle group of friends all have a pretty unique skill set. And over time, people would kind of ask about like, hey, like I really want to go hunting or hey, I want to learn to shoot a pistol or, you know, I would like to learn how to do jujitsu. And so what we did was we just kind of formed an event that kind of gave, uh, I guess, a primer or kind of like a first glance at all these different topics and skills that a lot of people just don't really pursue anymore. So I guess elaborate maybe for some of our listeners who don't know what your background and what your skill sets include. Uh, so I was just, you know, average kid all through school, did some sports, uh, kind of always had this infatuation with just like tough guys, went in the military, um, I spent four years over at third range battalion, 98 to 02. Uh, it was a really great time. I was young at the time, so I didn't really appreciate a lot of the assets and the cool things that we did. You know, I kind of had a different mindset at the time, but, uh, from there, you know, I went on, did college, opened up a strength and conditioning facility here in Austin with Todd, business partner, uh, and just kind of wanted to consistently surround ourselves with guys who were always willing to push the envelope, um, both in skills and mental resilience, and, and just always challenge each other, kind of create an environment that was similar to the military, but without all the bad things in the military, I guess is the best way to put it, you know? Uh, and then it just kind of like evolved into a really amazing community. It's not only based on like, you know, strength and conditioning and like the training aspect, but just kind of having the skills and the mindset. So me personally, you know, I've uh, been training Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for about three or four years now. Uh, you know, I dabble with some, you know, striking here and there with some other guys. Still shoot pretty, uh, pretty regularly. Not too much competition uh, style, but mostly like for defensive purposes. And I've been kind of teaching and sharing that knowledge with guys for about, I guess, you know, five to 10 years now. And then, uh, and then we kind of thought to put it all together, especially as some of our friends kind of moved down different lines and different professions, opening jujitsu academies, becoming like SWAT medics, all that stuff. And then also we realized as we looked around the group, like we have an amazing, um, I guess, pool of talent and unique skills. And so then we just started sharing it and, um, this would be our third year we've done it. So I'm kind of curious to see where it goes from here. Yeah, I know we're really excited to get down there and, and be involved and, and have a really fun weekend. Um, so, Todd, what, what what can you add to this? Uh, well, I just said pretty much the same growing up as Jake. I grew up in the white trash town between Houston and Galveston, played football in Texas, what everybody does. I was just a slow, fat kid that kind of worked hard in the summer. Um, from there, I got into endurance sports. After that, got in, ran marathons, did triathlons, stuff like that. And it just wasn't very mentally engaging with a lot of that. The suffer was good, but it just wasn't mentally engaging. Uh, from there, I started to get into boxing, and that became Muay Thai. Then I went out to Thailand a couple of times and trained out there and learned what it was to be a, a meat punching bag to really be around fighters. And it was a pretty eye-opening experience. When I came back here, Jake and I were um, we were living in the same house with a bunch of other dudes, and we were just really doing stupid shit to stay fit. We would uh, we would we'd carry shit up hills and run around with heavy stuff, and you know we didn't really have a uh, we weren't doing formal strength and conditioning, but we were we were starting to scratch at it for the very first time, and we ended up becoming very fit through that. And we started to find these mentors. Uh, we had a run coach that was helping us out, and we had a swim coach that was helping us out. And these these people from different varieties. We had a jiu-jitsu instructor, so it started to come together where we started to piece together the gym. And like Jake said, the the gym started up, and it was more like my people started to fill the gaps. So, you know, originally we started in a park and from, uh, from the park went to a small facility and they just got bigger and bigger. And as it got bigger, more and more of like-minded people came in and it was, 
even if they weren't like-minded when they came in, they kind of, everybody was looking for something, you know, they didn't quite know what it was, but you know, I say it, I say it all the time where you can work next to somebody for years and you don't know anything about them, but you, you sweat next to them for 45 minutes and you work hard, you know exactly who that person is and they know exactly who you are. And, uh, like Jake said, our, as our, as our peer group, um, I'm not going to say improved, but as their skill sets, so like you said, everybody went off in different directions. It was we we started to learn more and more stuff from them. More and more people wanted to learn from us, and it just kind of naturally evolved in, into what it is today. And it, it uh, you know it's funny it, it's funny that it took this long to do it because the the group was there for a long time, but it, the the gym kind of drove it forwards. And it's been it's been really uh, really eye opening to see the the response from people that come out and do it because for us it's almost second nature due to a lot of these things but for some people it's so eye-opening and so they go out and they do something that that didn't they didn't think scared them but when they get out there and do it it, it's terrifying because it's new and then they do it and it's like oh it's not scary it's okay there was no reason to be scared of this there was no reason to 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 do any of those things so something that became like a uh uh basically a fear becomes something that's like oh no i can totally wrap my brain around this i can totally totally make this a part of my life even if i'm not going to be a competitive shooter or a hunter or you know an athlete or any of those things you know i don't i don't have to be scared of those things i can kind of embrace those things and embrace that lifestyle. Well, you said two things there that I want to expand upon. So, you know, first of all, I love what you said about you really find out a lot about somebody when you sweat with them. And I think uh, Dave Tate is somebody who was a huge influence on me. And he says he calls it under the bar. And you really do learn a lot about not only other people, but yourself being under the bar. And, you know, I, I think back to, you know, starting lifting, you know, in college where I really got into it. You know, we did it in high school, but we didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. But in college was where I first started pushing those mental barriers through physical training. So can you guys talk a little bit about how pushing through those physical and mental barriers in the gym can carry over outside of the gym and, and help you, you know, be a better person? Yeah, I think um, one of the things, because you know, our gym is mostly performance-based, you know, we're not we're not really looking for, you know, big numbers in the wall. And I say performance, I mean performance at what your your specific discipline or job may be. So, you know, if, if you can only perform in the gym, but you can't perform outside of it, then like how, how functional are you really, you know? So, you know, for us, what we want to do is um, sometimes, you know, we create really challenging cycles and sessions just to build like what we call mental resilience, what a lot of people call mental toughness. And I guess one of the things that we've kind of learned that, uh, best case scenario is your hardest day is the gym days. So then when you go out into the mountains for a long hunt or a mountaineering trip, or if you're on the mats, it's getting smashed by some other um, upper level belt, then you're like, hey, this is this is awful, but it's not as bad as that one day over at Atomic Athlete. And so by kind of exposing them to things they haven't been exposed to, at least in the gym, we kind of create a, a different, I guess, different a uh, different perspective on what like discomfort can be, what suffering can be. And, um, and as Todd mentioned earlier that, and you talked about Dave, that there's a, a unique thing that happens when you suffer with someone, like there's certain bonds that are built, you know, when everyone is suffering together, whether it's in the military, whether it's, I mean, who knows, prison, the gym, whatever it can be. Um, those bonds, I think are going to be stronger than someone who just goes and gets drunk together downtown on a Friday night. Right. 
Yeah, the mental component. It's we. This is something that we've we've really kind of harped on the past couple of years. Is it's an, it's really hard to train the mental resilience component without some type of physical stress. And you know, the best way I describe it to people is you come into the first workout here, one of your first workouts, and it's all you can do to survive. You don't know what's going on. It was like a car crash. Everything's going on around you, and in the end, you're just this ball of trash that's just kind of barely keeping it together and you keep showing up and you keep going and eventually you have a little bit more wherewithal you know the the hardest thing you had done is getting harder and you're getting better and better at it so you develop this this mental resilience this ability to dissect what's going on around you and there's a huge difference in a guy like this is this is a little out of context or uh offensive to some people, but, uh, you know, when somebody's like retard strong and they can just put their head down and smash through something, but are they really learning anything or getting better from that situation? Like I fall more into that category. Jake's a little bit more reserved in how he trains. I get hurt all the time. Jake never gets hurt, you know? So it's the ability to be, uh, to keep doing these things and be able to pull back and realize like, Oh, okay. I can learn something from these physical efforts. I can, I can actually, I can identify where I'm weak and where I struggle and I can start to fix those things and that's a huge huge component of the of, of using the physical training to train that mental resilience yeah th- those are all really good points so one of the other things that you said Todd was um, you know exposing yourself to things that you've never been exposed to and how that can can kind of help you overcome fears and, and I really like that I think that that's it's for for the Vanguard event that's a lot of of what it's really all about right I mean familiarity with things that you know, you may not have that familiarity with can reduce fear uh, of that thing. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, I mean, everybody, everybody started working out because of ego. Everybody wants to look good naked. Either that or they thought they were going to die. One of those two things. But after you start training, it's it's one of those things that you have to prune your ego. and You have to start doing things that you're not good at. And that's a really hard thing for some people because they get so good at a certain set of, of activities that they don't want to do anything else. They don't want to be bad again. And um, I rediscovered that recently going back to jiu-jitsu as a 40-year-old man. And this has been about a year back. And I thought my fitness would give me a skill set that did not exist. And as I was getting my face crushed by dudes half my size. And I, and when I tell you I leave jujitsu at least once a week, almost in tears, it's entirely true, but it's, it, that's something that I took, I took advantage. I, I took for granted for a really long time and thought that my fitness would allow me to, to have a skill that I hadn't trained. It's like the frat boy. It's like, Oh, I could fight that guy in the UFC. It's like <laughs> the reality is you're not going to be able to do that until you develop those experiences, until you get that exposure. And you're, and Jake tells these guys, all the time. You're supposed to suck at this. There's no reason you should be good at this the first time you do it. If guys train for 10 years before they can ever compete or do any of these things, then you can't get upset by being bad at it the first or second or the 50th time you do it. But it's learning the process about the process and about yourself. And they're really the important parts. And I mean, the exposure thing, you just can't do enough of it. Right. Yeah. You can't, you can't pass judgment on something, I think, until you've actually done it. You know, it's like, you know, I don't like Asian food. It's like, well, have you ever tried it? And then you say, no. It's like, come on, man. Like, you've never even tried it. How can you pass judgment on it? So the unique thing about the Vanguard is that, you know, typically guys will come out and they have done one or two of the activities before. You know, like, oh, yeah, I repelled at, you know, Boy Scout camp when I was little. Or I went hunting with my dad one time. Or, yeah, I took one self-defense class. But you never had anyone come out that's actually done, like, all seven, seven, eight, or nine events. So regardless of, like, you may be, a, you know, an IPSC um, – you know, world champion, but you've come out and you've never, you know, done, you know, first aid 
or you've never actually grappled with a guy. So the idea of the exposure is to give everyone, like each block of instruction is about an hour and a half, maybe two hours. So you get like a little bit of exposure, a very well thought out, like kind of fast track block of instruction to kind of see if you're into it. You know, like it might be one of those things where you come to Vanguard or you get that, you know, hour and a half, two hour block with a carbine or maybe a small game butchering where you're like, oh, I really like this. You know, I want to go do this. And then you get on the rappel tower and you totally freak out. And then you're like, oh, I'm never going to go rock climbing again. So the good thing is to kind of expose you, expose you to things that, you know, most people do not get exposure to unless you're in a military law enforcement community. Um, and then kind of get a taste of it and see what you think about it. And you're going to get like a really solid base level fundamentals, you know, for all the different events. And then it's kind of up to you after that to move forward and whether or not you want to pursue it. Jake hit on a pretty good thing right there too. It's it well all the blocks that everybody's doing, they're hard to do individually, much less a group. Like even in a town like Austin, which is in Texas, where you can find a place to go shoot, you can find a place to do jujitsu. Where do you I mean, you, maybe you can go hunt, maybe you can do these other things. But for most people that didn't grow up or didn't get the exposure, it's really, really hard to do more than one or two of these things. So how how would you ever get exposed to it unless you really clocked in and, and sought that out? But it's uh and you know, and typically you have to find a find a mentor or somebody to help you out in a lot of those regards and it would be so much checking the ego you would have to be so bad at so many things and then where do you find the repel tower <laughs> right. So, right it's definitely an interesting interesting component but i mean nobody will nobody that does this event will come through and be confident in every single thing i mean we've seen over and over again we've seen badass athletes dominate the o course and have no problems with the small game and run a handgun and they get on that repel tower and they come right back down so yeah. <laughs> that's uh they but, come back down the stairs not the rope they come yeah. back down the stairs yeah. oh yeah yeah or not make it all the way up you yeah. know it's, it's it's a real deal um you know another one is is movement at night that's that's one that jake and i learned together where we were we were setting up an event one time we started walking in the woods and it's like where are we mr army ranger he's like i don't know <laughs> so it's like this would be a really good event for people and we have people move around at night man as soon as the lights go out they can't figure out left to right to up or down and it's you know all all those things are it, it's it's good to know those things about yourself too where it's like hey maybe i'll never be good at this but at least i won't lie to myself and tell somebody i'll be good at this well and i think too this goes back to to having confidence in something because you're familiar with it so you know you're you're going to be less afraid of the dark or less afraid to go out you know camping or something if you know that hey i've been in the middle of nowhere a place that i've never been before i used a compass and a flashlight and a map and and i found my way around um, you know, and for people listening that, you know, we may, we, we really haven't explained everything, you know, that, that we're doing, you know, in these blocks that you guys have said, but there's, there's night navigation, obviously, uh, there's the rappel tower, um, you know, handguns, rifle, butchering, grappling. Uh, yeah. Grip, grappling, stand up, um, trauma management and first aid perspective. Um, then we'll probably do uh, some type of team challenge at nighttime where it's like, hey, you and your team got to you know, complete these three tasks, get from point A to point B, first team back, gets like a small prize, something like that. Don't forget about the O course. O course. <laughs> and the obstacle course, right? Yeah. Um, so it, it's, it's – uh, I guess it ends up being like you know about eight to nine blocks of instruction, and they're all about an hour and a half. And I mean we think these blocks of instructions out too. I mean I can just wing a – I can wing a handgun course pretty easily. Um, but it's like, hey, like these need to be takeaways. You know, it's not – it's a combination of like some good quality takeaways. So like, hey, you know, if you've never shot a pistol, you come back. You know how to correct a malfunction. You know how to properly grip the handgun. Um, you know how to, what a good stance looks like. 
Um, and, and you feel confident with those basic things, you know, same thing with like, you know, even the small game in butchery, like a lot of people may not know, like, Hey, this is how you butcher a chicken. This is how you stun, you know, a small or medium sized animal and then bleed it out prior, you know? So there's so many like things. And I think maybe uh, misconceptions in regards to a lot of these things as well from movies or from buddies talking about stuff, um, that we hope to kind of like correct in, in these blocks of instruction. And they're, they're very sequential. They're very like, Hey, like, this is what we're going to do. This is why we're going to do it. There's some other ways you can do it. And then now let's do it. And so it's, um, all the instructors are super open-minded and, uh, and they're really good, good 90 minute blocks. Like they're going to be fun, but they're also going to cover the basics. So you guys have said something a couple of times where you've mentioned kind of checking your ego. And I think our podcast listener base is, is one that is always trying to, uh, focus on self-improvement in, in many different areas. Um, so I think we resonate with you know, the tribe that you guys have built in person at Atomic where, you know, like you said, it, it's, it's a group of people that are always trying to push their boundaries. Can you give our listeners some tips maybe on how to identify weaknesses that would benefit from being focused on? I think a big one is like, like I said, the ego will get you started in so many things. So it's so important to, to understand your ego and, and use that to, to start and, and do things. I mean, honestly, if you, if anybody says they started lifting weights for any other reason, it'll look good naked, they're lying. I mean, flat out, but it's, but that's only the start. And after you get going, it, it's definitely one of those things you have to use it to identify where you're weak and where you're struggling. Mm-hmm. So, and this, and, and these things change all the time. For instance, I was an endurance runner that hated strength. And then I started doing strength training and I hated endurance. And then, you know, I was a fighter that got, got away from that and back to it. So as, as when, for me, a, a huge indicator is if I don't want to do something, and I start with I start with a litany of excuses where it's like I don't want to do this because my elbow hurts or my knee hurts or my back hurts or I'm scared of heights or this or that or the other thing. Then I know it's something I should probably be doing because I'm not saying I don't want to do it because of the actual activity. I'm starting with I'm leading with excuses. So anytime you ever find yourself in those situations, it's a really good opportunity to sit back and be like, hey, I'm I'm making excuses to not do something before I've ever even done it. And that's a, that's a real eye-opening experience for a lot of people. When you can sit back and have that like, hey, why am I not doing this? Why am I not uh, jumping into these things? And instead, you can sit back and, and kind of digest those things and see where, where your hangups are. Um, and then when you start seeing those hangups, then you can start slowly working on those things. But it's, it's the process never stops. That's definitely one of those things. Like you never mature one day and you're, you're, you're that guy that's got it all together. It's always going to be something that you thought was a strength in the past. That's going to come back and get you again. That's going to be pretty hard to top. Jake, can you, uh, can you beat that answer yeah, or, or I, add to it? I think that uh, one of the best things you can do is, um, is if you're the, the, the best guy at what you do in your group, then you need to find a new group. You know, so if you're the strongest guy and all your friends and you're hanging around those guys, and you're always training with those guys or the fastest guy in your run group or the best guy in the jujitsu academy, then you need to find a new group of friends that are better than you. So surround yourself with individuals who not only can perform, but train at a higher level. And I think what it'll do is uh, it will open your eyes, you know, so if you're always in the same environment with the same group of guys and you're consistently beating all of them and whatever the endeavor may be, 
then you're not hanging around a group of guys that will continue to push you. So like our, a good example is our group is, you know, um, everyone's really good at something, but we all suck at something as well, you know? So whether it's like dropping a, a trauma scenario on one guy at the range where it's like, Oh shit, what, what, you know, or if we go out and do, um, uh, you know, a 25 K trail race and one guy can't even finish it. then it's like, it's one of those things. If you surround yourself with guys who are going to continually raise the bar and raise your expectations, I think it will really help your ego. You guys make me want to come to Austin and hang out with you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> if I lived there, I would be there all the time. Um, so uh, let's let's talk a little bit. You mentioned earlier, like some of the skills that we'll be learning at Vanguard uh, are, are skills that, I mean, let's face it, 100, especially 200 years ago, these were survival skills. If you didn't have these skills, you didn't you didn't survive, much less thrive or, or live optimal. And today, these skills are. Like you said, if, if you're not in law enforcement or, or in the military, you may have never been exposed to, to any of them or, or certainly all of them. I guess maybe talk about why that is or, or why it's kind of becoming a lost art. I think just because you know it, it has to do with convenience and, and, and uh, I guess probably what most would say would be a, a false sense of safety. You know, like, I mean, I carry a gun every day, but a lot of guys out there would be like, well, why would I need to carry a gun? It's like 100 years ago, it's because you might get shot by a fucking Indian. You know, it's like... You, you need to have that sense of self-preservation and the ability to um, defend yourself or, you know, a hundred years ago, like it was normal if you wanted to make dinner to go out, grab a chicken and, and you slaughter it and you cook it. And it's, it's no different than mowing the yard in today's perspective. So a lot of these things, um, you know, it still happens. We just don't see it. You know, I mean, obviously commercial, um, uh, the commercial meat industry. I mean, there's tens of thousands of animals that get slaughtered every day, but none of us see it. You know, we're no longer connected to that. Um, if you're not in a violent area, if you're in Austin or Seattle or some quiet little town in the country, you know, you don't see violence. You don't see uh, things that you could possibly see in, in Chicago or in Somalia or uh, Brazil, you know. So I think it's just, you know, over time, especially us as Americans, have kind of put ourselves and created an environment where these things aren't important. You know, like, why, why would I go shoot a deer when I could just go down and pick up a ribeye from the local grocery store. So I think that's a, an, an important thing to kind of think about is um, it may not always be this way. I don't want to sound like some doomsday guy, but you know, it's like I'd much rather, I'd much rather, go, I'd much rather go spend a weekend you know, at, with a bunch of cool dudes and have fun and learn some pretty good skills. So like if something happened, um, it's like, cool, man, no big deal. Like I've done it once before. I can, I can do it again. Yeah. I, I've got several friends who are former military, retired military, and, and the conversation always comes back to, to kind of what you just got to. And, and, you know, in my head, as you're going through that answer, I'm like, I can't wait to, you know, maybe talk to you guys about some of this while we're down there. But I think that would be robbing the listeners of, of conversation. So I'll go ahead and ask it to ask you now uh, on the podcast. Um, it's kind of a, of a departure from our normal topics. But I mean, with the, the way the world is changing and some of the events that we're seeing happening, uh, take the one in, in uh, the stabbing at the mall in Minnesota recently where the, the person who was doing the stabbings was actually the only reason that it stopped was because there was an off-duty police officer who happened to be carrying uh, mm -hmm. and he fatally shot the attacker. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a prime example of exactly what you're talking about where, you know, he was off duty. He didn't need to be carrying his gun, um, or didn't have to, but obviously it was a beneficial thing for, uh, the other people in the mall. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of those things where it's, um, you know, without getting too far down that, that subject is, um, 
you know, the idea of carrying a gun and the idea of learning self-defense is like the chance of you actually needing to use it are so slim. I mean, it's a better chance you have to use your fire, fire or flood insurance for your home than you're actually going to have to pull out a gun and use it, you know. But, I mean, I'd much rather be the guy that is at least prepared, even if it takes a little bit more work on a daily basis or even if you're traveling somewhere with your family, you know, have a handgun in the vehicle. Because, I mean, you just don't know. You just never know what's going to happen. It's, it's just like with sexual assault in women. Like, oh, it will never happen to me. And then all of a sudden it happens to one of them, you know. So it's one of those things where if you continue to have the mindset like it won't happen, then it's probably going to happen. But the, the funny thing is the guy like me, it'll probably never happen to who's prepared, you know. So it's just something to kind of think about as you you, you move through the day-to-day world and you know, look around. And you're like, hey, we're in a really safe environment. Um, nothing's most likely going to happen, but there's always that chance. You know, it's the guy got mauled by the grizzly the other day. It's like how many times had he been in the mountains how many times do we hear about people, you know, and bears, you know, and then actually seeing a Facebook video like post grizzly yeah. attack, you know? Yeah, that was brutal. And he even had a gun on him. Yeah, yeah. And bear spray. Bear spray didn't work. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. oh. Jake hit on a pretty good one right there when he talked about mindset, though. And that's that's the biggest thing with all this stuff is we've become so taken so many steps away from it. So we're not one step back or two steps back. We're like five to seven to 10 steps back. And you might never be on that front line again, but as long as you're closer to it and you're thinking about it, then that changes how, not only how you look at the people you're around and everything you're doing, but everyday situations and what's going on. Um, Because the single, as soon as you're exposed to something that you don't know what's going on, the first instinct is to totally freeze. Jake did this to me on the range the other day. We had that that scenario where you talked about with the, with the, with uh, a first aid scenario on the range. He did to me and my first instinct was to freeze. And that's somebody that's around it all the time. So I can only imagine somebody that's never been exposed to it. Same thing when, uh, when somebody comes up and threatens you or says something to you or all those things it's not and it's not a combat mindset or uh you know end of the world mindset it's just that mindset that hey man like something something could happen it's a self-preservation mindset it's exactly yeah Yeah, that's that's very well worded i mean it's just it's having this awareness and and not not taking the things for granted that most of us actually do take for granted well it's just so easy to be plugged into your cell phone all day long and we see i mean you see it all the time everywhere you go you'll see couples on dates both on the cell phone you'll see people walking down the street looking at their cell phone i mean it is it really does the 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 wherewithal that it takes away from you and it creates this fantasy land where you think that everything in the phone is is reality and it's not man it gives you a false sense of of everything like every single thing in your life from and this happened i mean i was just on a road trip and i was like we we drove four blocks and i did not remember how to get back so because i was following navigation in the phone it's like if i had just paid attention that would not have been an issue nice nice so um give us a couple of like tips that our our listeners can implement that will help with either self-preservation or preparedness or, or whatever word you want to use to kind of encompass it. You know, I think one of the, one of the biggest things would be, as Todd touched on briefly was uh, situational awareness and, you know, pay attention to your surroundings. Um, if you're, if you're driving, pay attention to driving, you know, don't, don't be texting. You know, I mean, I can't think of how many times I've snuck up on someone like a friend who I saw on their vehicle you know, head down, you know, on their phone, jack and door unlocked, you know, and I just sneak up and just like jump at the window and they totally flip out. It's men included, not just women, you know? Yeah. So just, I mean, just be aware of what's going on around you. If you ever watched a, uh, 
like a prey type animal in the woods, whether it's a deer, an elk, whatever it may be. I mean, they're on point, Mm -hmm. like they're on point for a reason because there's predators around. And I think a lot of us, especially in the United States, you know, we think there, there aren't predators around. So we just walk around like clueless head in the clouds. And I think just by paying attention, looking over your shoulder on occasion, you know, um, parking your vehicle in a spot that's not going to be in a compromising position. Uh, don't go places where bad things happen. You know, if you, you know, like in Austin, for example, it's like good chance if you go to Dirty Sixth Street, we call Dirty Sixth, um, there's a good chance you can get in a fight at, you know, 1 a.m. in the morning. So what's the best way to avoid a fight? You just don't go there. You know, so a little bit of, uh, I think, situational awareness and uh, and kind of unplugging. You know, the phone, I think, is one of the biggest things that are going to hold most people back nowadays you know, from actually, I mean, it can be, uh, one of those things where the guy can be an arm's length away before you even notice him. And once he's an arm's length away with a weapon, you can't do much then, you know? I think another big one, or I mean, the biggest one for me is physical fitness too. It's like the the best thing we do for most people that come into the gym is get them stronger, but it's the ability to not just be, have total control over your body, know what you're capable of. I mean, that's a, that's a huge, huge component because if you don't know what your limits are, then you live in this fantasy land where you think you can do all these things. Like you say, oh, I can go run a 10K. Well, I've never run a mile, but I can run a 10K. Or I want to be an Army Ranger. It's like, well, can you do pull, two pull-ups? If you can't do two pull-ups, probably can't be an Army Ranger. You might have to do a few more than that. So the physical fitness component allows you to kind of identify what your limits are, and that keeps you – that always allows you to work towards something, but it also keeps you from getting into situations that you're not capable of finishing. Because if you say, let's say you want to go hike a 14 with friends, but you know, you have a bad knee and you don't have, and you've never really done any, any, any training, are you going to be able to get up that 14 And if something happens, if you fall down or if your knee goes out, then now you're no longer an asset to that situation. Now you're a liability and now your friends or whoever you're with has to get you out of that situation. And that, that happens all the time. I mean, we have, we have plenty of people here with kids to go hiking and they're like man i had to carry my kid the last two miles on this trip it's like you have to be you have to have a certain level of fitness to be able to do that you know and if you go down who's carrying you so that's a really really important component that that you have to be aware of because you can't live in a fantasy land and you know exactly what you're able or capable of doing then you can kind of it it, it, it chips away at that fantasy land and lets you know exactly what you can and can't do so you said something that I'm, I'm writing it down and, and this, I mean, it could be the name of this podcast episode, but I want to get you guys to elaborate on this. Um, you know, how to be an asset in, in any situation uh, or every situation. And I think that that's, I like that because it applies to, to absolutely anything, whether it's business or, you know, if I come in and, and I'm a, a guest, you know, working out at Atomic, you know, I, I need to approach that as, you know, how can I be an asset to the group today? I think that's a that's a thought process that that I see a lot with law enforcement and military people. Um, you don't see it a lot in in civilians or or especially like what we're calling the millennial generation that that entitled generation. Um, can you guys talk about that a little bit? I think that you know I think I might have mentioned that to Todd one time when we were talking about something. And it's the, for me, it kind of came from the idea of a team-based environment, you know, where it's like, Hey, you know, we're all in this team together and your role is a, your role is B, your role is C. So every guy brings a unique skill set um, that takes time to acquire uh, to the, the cumulative total. And I'm always, I'm always been a team guy. Like even my girlfriend hates it. Cause it's a guy, we have this great group of dudes where it's not like uh, who wants to hang out tonight. It's more like, who do I want to hang out with tonight? Because there's like 20 cool dudes that we can either shoot or go grapple go to Muay Thai or, you know, go do some kind of scenario based training. So, um, 
what it comes down to is like, you know, think about you and your team, whether it's your family, um, whether it's some coworkers, um, whether it's like for us, it's the guys here in the gym and our inner ring of friends where it's like, what can I do in my free time other than watching football to acquire a skill that adds value to my team? You know, so maybe, you know, your wife doesn't need to learn jujitsu and, you know, how to strike and do all these crazy like ninja holds. Maybe she just knows how to apply a tourniquet. You know what I'm saying? To where if you're the one fighting, she can put on a tourniquet and apply aid or she can learn, you know, learn to uh, manage a scene where something happens like, hey, you call 911. Hey, you watch the door. Hey, you provide aid over here. You know, so I think there's so many different things we can do. And I mean, I think it happens. Actually, we got an ambulance coming by. Hold on. (laughs) Speaking of aid. Yeah. Perfect timing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it does happen in modern day society. It just happens differently. All right. So if you think of like. Like, hey, hey, you know, I need to, you know, uh, uh, get a good programming for going to the mountains. You're like, hey, I know someone, right? So you, you recommend us. Or someone goes, hey, I want to get some creatine. Hey, I know someone, right? So we do this in a different kind of way. Like, who do you know It's a mechanic? Who do you know that uh, knows how to use MailChimp? Or who do you know that knows how to set up a website? So we do this, but we just do it with certain skills that are appropriate for modern day society and not for second or third world or society back in the day. Yeah, that's a big one. It's... Uh... And for me, it's always still, what are you, what are you good at and what are you bad at? And what you're good at, you need to go ahead and be really, really good at that. Be better than, than everybody else you know. And what you're bad at, you need to always cultivate that skill. Mm-hmm. And uh, that will also save you from a situation where if I don't know the first thing about first aid and I try to jump ahead of a first responder – I'm not helping out the situation. You know, I need to defer and let him do what he's good at and he can direct me or I can then step back and take a support role. But it's really, really important to understand that, 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 that support role is is something as well, but don't, don't get in the way of the machine if it's already moving forward. And that's, I think a lot of people get confused and they think, Oh, I can, I'll be able to handle the situation. It's like, you don't have the skill set to handle the situation, bro. You're only getting in the way, you know, you can be an asset in another way, but it's not, it's not what you're doing right now. Um, and that also, again, it just allows you to, to always improve where you're like, Hey man, I could, I could improve on this. I can step this up a little bit. I can help this out. And then what you are good at, be excellent at. Be the best person you can be at. And with that, you should be able to instruct other people in how to do that thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the biggest sin in the world is somebody that stings you with their knowledge, flat out. If you know how to do something and you're not willing to help somebody do that thing, then that is a worthless, worthless skill. I don't care how good you you are at that skill. It's worthless. You need to be able to help other people do that thing and show them how you did it. And that's uh, as soon as you can do that, then the community starts to build. That is beautiful. Um, I, I've always said, you know, the, the point of reading books is it's, it's useless if that information or whether it's, it doesn't even have to be reading books, but if you're acquiring and acquiring and acquiring all this information and knowledge, it does no good if you're not actually putting it back out into the world and helping more people. So, um, right there with you guys on that one. Um, real quick, I, I want to tie that into kind of like entrepreneurship and, and business. I know a lot of our, our listeners are, um, in the corporate world or running businesses. And, and, and I think for me, I used to run a gym. You guys don't know this, but, but I used to run a gym called house of strength. That was very much like atomic. And, you know, that's where I learned that skill of, uh, or that thought process of, of how to be an asset or adding value. Like if the, the smaller, the team, the more important it is for every single member of that team to be, you know, an A player or to add as much value as possible. And I think, you know, from, from being in that, uh, that world of helping people, but also in the world of business, 
you start to, to think differently. And, and it's how do I, to me, it was always how do I add value to this situation? Um, but the way you phrase it was to be an asset. So I really like that a lot. Um, you guys mentioned watching football. I want to throw this out there too, because this was a lesson that a mentor of mine shared with me when I first started my business. And I think it's worth repeating for our listeners. You know, his, his point to me was how much time do you spend? And it was not just to me, but to our entire group. How much time do you spend watching other people live their dreams versus Mm -hmm. working on your own? And I think football was the example he used because like we're, we're recording this in October. We're doing Vanguard in October. It's football season. So we could easily spend, you know, four to, to eight hours every Saturday and every Sunday watching football. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the average guy does that. The average guy probably watches, well, even if you just watch one on Saturday, one on Sunday, that's six hours of football every weekend for yeah. 10 to 15 weeks. That's, you know, 60 hours, uh, or, or more, you know, that's a considerable chunk of time that you could be dedicating to whatever, whether it's, uh, if you have an entrepreneurial side job that you want to grow and and quit your first job and pursue that, or if you just want to learn new skills, there's a lot of time there that you can be spending on on your life and your dream as opposed to watching some dude who doesn't even know you exist live out his dream. Yeah, yeah, you're you're, you're, you're t- talking my language right there, man. <laughs> I was watching some football. I uh, know. <laughs> I love uh, football. I love football, but. <laughs> uh, I know I had, I had a buddy. I, I've never watched sports to me. The idea of, you know, spending my limited time, you know, I mean, not only limited in like how many hours you have in a day or a week, but I mean, how many days you have in a life. It's like, do I really want to spend that time, you know, actively pursuing the activities of someone who I don't know and they don't know me and when I could be doing things with real people, um, acquiring real skills and, uh, becoming my a better asset. And even a buddy jokingly said the other day, uh, I think they were going out for dinner or something like that. And I was like, Nope, not going. And he was like, oh, that's right. He's like, if it's not going to make him money or make him better at something, he's probably not going to go. And it's like, you know, and I'm not ashamed to say that that's not a, that's not a bad thing. There's nothing know? wrong with that. Yeah. And I mean, you know, there is times to go spend like quality time with people, like having a face-to-face conversation over a beer or a cup of coffee. But I mean, if you're sitting there six dudes deep, you know, drinking cheap beer and I mean, unless you're Jack Bauer, you shouldn't probably be dedicating all your free time towards watching football, even just one or two hours, right? Still watch the four hours, but go spend two hours, you know, doing something productive that's going to make you a more capable asset for your friends and family and community. I think that's the key with that one too, is the moderation for those things. Because again, you shouldn't make somebody feel bad for doing something they love, but that, but that same thing where it's like, what are you, what are you getting out of watching that football game? You know, a, a big one for me, I was in the bar business forever. And we, if the Cowboys lost, we had a manager that would come in and fire somebody, you know, and it was just like, that guy never played football. He never played football once in his life, but he was something that he had no control over at all in his life would make him so angry that he would come try to fire somebody. And for me, I never watched another sporting event after that. That was just a little overwhelming for me, but it's, it's that same, same mentality. Well, what are you getting out of this activity? For instance, if it's, and it does not have to necessarily improve you all the time but it, it should be you should be getting some sense of worth out of it and are you getting the same sense of worth at two hours as you are eight hours six, you said 16 hours if they watched two days back to back yeah it could be so i mean 16 hours that's a that's part-time job right, <laughs> right. right. i yeah. mean th- that's and that's that's my point is i'm not knocking football i i think 
you know, for me personally, one of the best things that we ever did when I started my business was, you know, we didn't have TV. So I, watching TV was just not an option for me. And, you know, every minute of free time was devoted to, to building a business. And uh, I think the point that I want to make for our listeners is, you know, look, it, it's, it's not the end of the world if you watch TV or a favorite show or football, but, but weigh it out and make sure that, you know, it's, it's situational awareness. I'm trading this many hours of my day of my life to watch this. You know, if you need that, like decompress and, and escape, fine, but realize that that's what it is and that you're trading time for that. And, and you know, maybe you could also be doing like when I, I, I went to Clemson, Clemson's got a great football team right now. So I like to watch them play. But if I'm watching them, I'm also writing or, or doing programming or doing something else that, I mean, heck, you guys can be cleaning guns or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, uh, yeah. you know, that's, that's an activity that you can do that, that maximizes that time. Absolutely. This, yeah, you can, you don't need to be a hundred percent into your football game. You can be like 50% in and then do something else that needs to be done at the same time, whether you make it be something as mundane as, as doing your laundry. Yeah. You know, it's cool. I'm going to turn up real loud. And I'm going to do my chores while listening, you know? So, I mean, and like I said, I'm all about everyone doing what they want to do. Like, I'm never going to judge someone, you know, someone who's not my friend. If you're, if you're, in, <laughs> if, you're in, if you're in my community and you're just fucking drinking beer and spinning, like, you know, Hey, it's cool, man. Like, I think you're a nice guy, but, um, you're probably, gonna off, you're probably going to get kicked off the team. <laughs> you know? And it's like, cool. He's the guy. It's like, you know, he shows up to you know the gym or the rendezvous spot when something bad happens. And it's like, why are you here, dude? You know, it's like, you're not going to contribute anything to this. So, um, and that's how I feel, at least with the group of guys that I spend time with and train with, where it's like, you know, like, hey, if we're in a, a situation where, you know, violence escalates or maybe it's an active shooter or someone gets severely injured, like, I want the guys around me to like step up and handle it and have the skills to where if I get injured, right, then someone else can take care of me, you know? So, and those are the guys that you need to surround yourself with. Um, and women as well. I don't want to keep saying guys and exclude females um, because, Females are just as much as a part of our lives and community as males are. And I think there's also this idea that like males are the guys that carry guns. Males are the guys that, you know, go out and do, you know, we call it the Vanguard and man camp, but it's not. We have women come every, every year, you know, like five to seven of them come and, uh, and they get in there. And, you know, honestly, uh, just from a gym perspective, I know plenty of females that can outwork and outperform. And honestly, mm -hmm. I'd rather, rather be in a firefight with than a lot of the guys mm -hmm. I know because um, they're level headed. They have the discipline. Um, they have that correct mindset and they can be a bigger asset than any male you bump into sometimes, you know? I will definitely second the, the fact that, you know, from my days as a strength coach and running the gym that females can outwork, you know, they can go longer than, than males any day of the week. That, that pain threshold is so much higher. Yeah. And the lack, I think for females, the lack of ego, right? Yeah. You know, like the guys get too wrapped up in the game in the first five minutes, they're like, hard charging and then mentally like they go from like on the stud to like oh my god i'm getting my ass kicked and then they kind of like like shut oh, down. and they shut down and the girls they have no ego man they just go out there and do the work and um, we have some phenomenal females that you know train here um that even though they're not like the you know top of top wrong as far as numbers go it's like, man, I'd rather take her any day than anyone else in here if we had to go to war, you know? Another huge component of that is the coaching aspect. You'll coach guys all day and you'll tell them to do something and tell them to do something and tell them to do something. You tell a girl to do it once and she does it and you're like, 
holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> you just listen to what I said. Like I didn't have to say it 90 times. And it's, it's interesting to watch how they accelerate as athletes through that too, where, where they get better so much faster because like Jake said, they don't have that ego that's, that's limiting them. You know, they, they, it's already been proved. They're there to get better. Like that's the reason they're there. So it, it, it's definitely uh, everybody can learn something from, from that mentality and that, uh, that, that desire to work. Awesome. Well, one other thing I want to circle back to, you know, we talked about, like you mentioned, uh, hunting and, and, and butchering. And I think that that's a skill that, um, you know, in, in the movements that we're seeing now with food quality becoming such a, a popular concern or, or, or topic, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, hey, we want to, we want grass fed, uh, local, organic. The demand for that stuff is going through the roof. You know, a lot of people are saying, hey, I'd just rather grow my own stuff and, and be self-sufficient when it comes to food. But again, those skills are lacking. So I'm, I'm just really kind of highlighting that as an example of, you know, okay, so maybe you're not going to go out and carry a gun and be the person who stops, you know, a terror attack. But these skills could benefit you if you want to reduce dependency on the Walmarts of the world um, and be able to grow your own organic produce or or you know, kill your own meat, butcher a deer, provide for your family. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a big proponent of, uh, you know, go get what you want to eat. You know, and it's, it's actually, I mean, it's fairly easy. Um, you know, now with the internet, there's, I mean, online training courses on how to like hunt out West and there's books and, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you can go out there and I mean, like I shot an elk, you know, about a month ago and, um, you know, you come out of the woods with over a thousand pounds of, I'm sorry, over, um, hundred pounds of meat. And it's like, man, like if you priced it at $10 a pound, like that's a thousand dollars of meat. You know, if you look at a hundred pounds, you say, cool, let's say four ounces per serving, you know, I mean, that's, that's 400 servings of meat for you and your family that, you know, if you butcher it yourself, it is not very expensive and it is about as clean as it gets, you know, cause I just love that process of being like, Hey, no one's else, no one else's hands have touched this, but mine. And I, I think that's a really, um, uh, I don't want to say like an ego type thing, but it's a, it's a it's a really nice thing to kind of accept because the commercial meat industry you don't know what you're getting you know right. who touched it you know I mean I mean I can't imagine the guys who are doing commercial meat processing get paid a lot so then you can kind of start putting the pieces together on who the guy actually has what he looks like and what he does in his <laughs> recreational time that has his hands all over something that you're going to put in your body. He so. watches a lot of football. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and and there's also that like when when you're eating meat that you know, you, you harvested, there's, there's a different connection to it as well, too. You yeah. think differently about that food. Yeah. And you know, it's funny, we get a lot of people actually, um, we post photos, the Vanguard, we'll get anytime a butchering photo pops up, you always get that one internet troll guy that says like, you know, if you have to kill rabbits at your man camp, you're a pussy, you know, <laughs> being some vegan or something like that. And it's, and we're, we're not trying to like say that's part of being a man, you know, and that's not the idea of like the ultimate man camp. It's, it's more as the acquisition of skills that were one day they were commonplace and they're not anymore, you know? So like if, if I shoot an animal, like I kind of feel bad afterwards, mm -hmm. you know, and I purposely don't really shoot small game because for me to go out and go rabbit hunting, I need to kill 10 rabbits, you know, probably more, probably like 30 rabbits to get the same yield on killing one deer. So like, why would I go out and take 30 lives when I can just take one and get the same return on investment, you know? So uh, my mindset as a hunter has definitely evolved to where it's like I don't like killing small animals because it's like you're killing something for like one bite of food. You know, when I could go kill one elk and feed me and my girl and some friends for almost a year, you know. So uh, 
you know, and the guy who teaches the butchering class, he really talks about like, you know, like, hey, this is not like a fun thing. We're not out here whacking bunnies in the head with hammers and laughing about it. Like, this is a serious thing. You need to respect it. You need to respect the animal and, and respect the fact that like, hey, like this is not fun. This is just kind of necessity. And, and recognize that if you are going to eat meat, then I think you owe it to yourself to do it at one point. You know, you don't have to do it on a regular basis. But, you know, if you're going to be the guy, it's kind of like what Ned Stark says in Game of Thrones. You know, the guy who uh, – what does he say? The guy who passes, uh, judgment, passes swings. judgment swings the sword, right? Mm-hmm. If you're going to actually be the one like, hey, I'm going to contribute to this idea of killing animals and maybe I should go do it one day and make sure I'm okay with it. Another big one of that is maybe you might never hunt, but everybody knows somebody like Jake that hunts. So you do, everybody does have access to that game meat in some way, shape or form because Jake always has extra meat every year that he's willing to give away to help, you know, just, just to let people try it. Um, I grew up, my dad had a garden. We lived on the water. We never fished, but people would trade us fish to work in the garden, to get stuff out of the garden all the time. Cause the guy that has it always has a little bit more than he needs and he's always willing to share it. You know, so that's uh, and then that community starts to build. It goes right back to that. So it works out as long as you're willing to communicate to those people that you do want what they have, which is which is totally OK. A lot of people would be horrified to ask somebody for for something that they had done like that. But there's nothing wrong with it. And Jake would be happy to share it. You know, so that's a that, that's a that's a that's a hard concept for people to grab. But yeah. it's but it's totally there. And it's it is that sense of community. Yeah. You guys are good. You guys are going to eat a bunch of it at the Vanguard. I got, I, got, I got a whole bunch of deer meat in the freezer right now. Essentially the first night. So. I was going to say, Todd's giving away all your meat, man. So, uh, guys, we're at the end here. Um, two more questions for you. Number one, where can our listeners get more of you guys? Yeah, uh, so, I mean, probably the website is one of the, I guess, the best channels to find us, atomic-athlete.com. Uh, that website's primarily set up for – um, you know, the online programming that we offer, the gym based stuff. But I mean, like you know, the way the company is kind of evolving is that it is moving more into a training type platform as well. Training as an instructional, not training as in physical training, but, you know, we've been doing a lot of work with guys from uh, Fort Bragg and the special forces community. They're coming in and learning our methods so they can train for their missions more specifically. And then, um, then things like the Vanguard are probably going to uh, happen more often, whether it's on like a private course setup, you know, choosing your blocks and all that. But you, luckily for us, for me and Todd, we have a group of guys that we are around on a regular basis that the skill sets are just amazing. Black belts in jujitsu, guys who have competitively and professionally uh, fight or are fighting right now. Like one of our buddies, you know, he's got a UFC fight coming up in about six weeks. So um, there is a great pool of resources that we have in Austin and the website's probably the best way to get a hold of us or either one of our names, Jake or Todd at atomic-athlete.com. The website's also a great introduction. If you don't have any of these skills or any of these things, the, I mean, the easiest place to start is working on your physical fitness. Mm-hmm. If that's not something that is a daily practice for you, or at least a weekly practice, the website is a great introduction to those things. And then you can start to develop those other skills down the road. But ultimately, you know, a big thing is Vanguard's a three-day event. If you're struggling after day one, it's hard to take take that knowledge in on those second and third days as it gets harder and harder. So, so just starting that physical training is a huge component and our, and the website is an online platform that allows people to do that anywhere they are anywhere in the world. So, so that helps out a lot too. So just to clarify, you guys have programming on there. Like, so somebody like me who's remote, I could follow the programming from, from a distance. Correct. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, as far as other skills go, um, you know, we have buddies, uh, Tim Kennedy and his Sheepdog Response, uh, Mike Seeklander, American Warriors Society. They have platforms like ours that offer uh, more in-depth stuff, you know, like like other things in physical training. We usually contribute things to them, and then uh, but they do the rifle, the handgun, 
you know, like the uh, weapons retention type stuff. So you can find um, online training platforms that will at least give you exposure to a lot of the concepts. You know, I mean, even if you've never handled a gun before and you have a, a plastic, you know, or an airsoft type rifle and you go through Mike Seeklander's Rifle One course online and you sit there in front of the TV and do what he's saying to do, then when you go out to the range, you're, you're going to have a pretty good idea of what to do. And it's not going to be the first time that you hear these things. So um, there, are, there are resources out there for anyone, whether it's hunting, you know, Marcelo Garcia's jujitsu site. Um, there's lots of different platforms out there. You can learn how to learn a lot of things and never even leave your living room. All right, guys. <laughs> Final question. Um, you guys can either alternate back and forth, but I want to get three from each of you, your top three tips to live optimal. Wake up early. Read. Drink a lot of water. <laughs> um, always, uh, always try to improve yourself as a human being. Have fun. Everything you do, have fun. Mm-hmm. And then the last one would be, hmm, it's not fair when he takes half the ones I want to use. <laughs> Uh, to live optimally, let's see, train, read, share, uh, sleep, sleep, sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I think sleep's one of those things where, I mean, even, even if you're really into training, you can find yourself only sleeping four or five, you know, maybe even six hours a night, and then you're going to be unable to train optimally. So if you go into a training environment fatigued, then you're not getting the most out of it. So I think, I think that's a big one. I think the last one is share too. Just share your knowledge, share, share, share your experiences, share all those things with people. You know, it could be online, it could be with people you know, just, uh, but, but do all those things. Awesome. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. This has been a great show. I can't wait to come down there and uh, learn some stuff from you guys next week. All right, we're going to make sure to get uh, some photos of you whenever you see uh, some things like, whoa. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, so, it was a pleasure, man. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode of the OPP. As always, go to naturalstacks.com. You will be able to see the blog post for this episode there. Uh, on that blog post, we'll have links, show notes, resources, um, all of the rabbit holes that you can go down to pursue uh, any of the information that you want to follow up on from this episode of the OPP. Uh, again, if you have not done so, please go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review, let us know how much you like the show, and as always, share the OPP with the friends and family in your life who you think and know will benefit from the things that we're talking about here. Um, because as Todd you know, so eloquently shared in, our, in his top three tips on this episode, you know, it's all about sharing, it's all about getting this knowledge um, to the people who can benefit from it. So uh, as always, guys, really appreciate your time. Thank you for, for spending some of your time with us. And uh, we will talk to you next Thursday.